Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Football Garbage Time NFL Podcast. Brought to you by BetUS and Manscaped. My name is Hakun Wong and I'm the Editor-in-Chief of Football Garbage Time. And with me today is my OG co-host, it's Ryan Whitfield. Hey man, what's going on? Not much. Nice to do that. I think, I think we do about one or two a year when I come back at this point. So, yep. uh, midway point season, glad to be back for, for a night. Yeah, it's amazing. Do you, do you, do you remember that um, we started this way back in 2015? It's been like, literally, we are, we're eight years in now. Isn't that insane? Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> honestly, when you were just about to say, when it started, I, my first gut reaction in my head was to guess 2016, so even I was, was going to shorten it by a year. Yeah, right? And, and I know I talked to you about this last time, but you know, I go back sometimes just for kicks to listen to us in 2015, and it's not pretty. It is not pretty. I can tell you that. Um, we've, we've gone well, I, think I, was, I think I was always fantastic. <laughs> I think it was a huge well, issue. All right, that's fair enough. I was kind of dragging you down in 2015, so I'm, I'm glad we got that um, all sorted. <laughs> it was actually me. Um, and then, uh, and I'm probably dragging you down right now, too, so that's cool. I'm glad you, you came on the show to bring us up a notch. We got lots to talk about today, folks. We're going to be talking about top impact rookies at the halfway point of the season, top five power rankings, fantasy football, quarterback replacements for week 10, best games to watch, and much, much more. So, hey, let's get this thing rolling. So, first of all, before we jump into our first topic, can you believe that we're halfway through the NFL season already? I just... Is it just me? It just feels like it's got, it went really fast to me. Yeah, I'm, I'm still waiting for the good games to start, you know. Um, <laughs> that's how I felt about it. The, co- the college, the, with the, I don't know if it's a shortened preseason, just the state of the league right now, but maybe it's my age. I don't, I don't know. But I've found over the last two or three years that through the first two months of, of you know, September, October, that right. college football is infinitely more entertaining to watch than the NFL is. Now, oh, obviously, yeah. down the stretch into the playoffs, the NFL way surpasses it. But um, and there's all the stories they've had. I mean, you know, our, uh, they're not great, but our Notre Dame uh, Irish have had yeah. uh, you know interesting beginning of the year, the whole Colorado storyline, what they were doing what yeah. they were doing early in the year. Definitely. Georgia and the wagon that they continue to be. It's just, yeah, it's, 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 uh, it's crazy. So it is, it's a little bit crazy we're here this far, but I think it also feels a lot – uh, wilder that we're this far in because it's just uh, the three preseason games have made what used to feel like September football to September and October now in my opinion. Right. Yeah, and and, let me, and th- does this have anything to do though with the fact that your team and my team are two and seven <laughs> in the NFL? I mean, uh, maybe it has some impact on our interest in the NFL this season. I don't know. I'm just saying. I'm hey, listen. I watch every game regardless. I'm going to watch the Bears. Um, battle it out for the toilet bowl uh, in the toilet bowl tonight against the uh, Colorado Panthers. But yeah, you know, two and seven Patriots, not quite the same as when we started. Just saying. Oh, I switch allegiances every two weeks now. So I don't know. You keep saying my team. I, I don't, I don't oh, claim okay, the Patriots I anymore. I'm just, I'm, I'm uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a piece Biggest of graph. Biggest bandwagon jumper ever, huh? <laughs> I was on the Detroit Lions for a little bit. The Bengals are coming back now, so now I'm a, now I'm a big Bengals fan again. So you just nice. you know just check in with me in a month. You'll know who I'm rooting for then. 
<laughs> it's much more expensive when you buy swag for every team in the NFL, but I get it. I understand. <laughs> um, hey, all right, let's talk about the biggest impact rookies of the season at the halfway mark. Number one, I got to mention him because just this past week, he broke all sorts of records. He had 147.8 passer rating, the highest single game passer rating by a rookie quarterback in NFL history. He had 470 passing yards. And those are the most passing yards by a rookie in a game, and again, in NFL history. He also was the youngest player ever with at least 450 passing yards in a game and became just the sixth player in NFL history to record at least 450 passing yards and five touchdowns with no interceptions in a game. I'm talking about C.J. Stroud out of Ohio State playing for those Houston Texans. What do you think about C.J. Stroud? And I know you want to mention some of his other uh, rookie help out there in Houston as well. Yeah, um, I think it's it's always interesting, you know, the longer we go through uh, an evaluation process in the offseason, because C.J. Stroud, I think, at one point was uh, the clear-cut best quarterback coming out of last year's class, that by right. the time it got to the draft, that everyone was trying to talk about other people because it had been boring just to say that C.J. Stroud was going to be the best uh, quarterback right. out of this right. group. Um yep. I also think that what we've seen over the last couple of years is a lot of volatility uh, in those first couple of years for the young. So I don't want to uh, just, uh, uh, you know, uh, on him right now as, as, as obviously going to be the best, but I, I think he was probably the most pro ready. Um, and, and his game is not, you know, despite the stats last week being flashy, his game's not super flashy. It's just consistently good across the board. So right. um, yeah, I, I don't, I don't find it overly surprising. Uh, I think the bigger surprise is just in general, um, Oh, the the the, like the the lack of weapons or perceived lack of weapons and what he's been able to do with them. And that brings me to uh, one that's a particular sore spot for me. I mentioned I wanted to to, <laughs> to mention here is Tank Dell. Um, right. And a sore spot because I'm in a 14-team, uh, 18 players per team, massive dynasty roster league. And it's not even Uh-oh. a true dynasty, but we have a, we have a rookie draft and whatever. Um and I uh, had sold my team who was doing poorly last year for a lot of future assets. And so I had a lot of first round rookie picks this year. And I took at the end of the first round tank Dell. Uh, and then after the first week uh, decided to cut him. Uh, oh, and, uh, definitely uh, wishing I had uh, held on to him uh, here. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, he's just, he's been uh, consistent this year for the most part. Um, you know, he's putting up touchdowns, yards, uh, receptions, uh, his yards per reception, 16.2, four touchdowns, 28 receptions, 454 yards. I mean, yeah. uh, talking about a guy who could easily put up close to double-digit touchdowns this year, 50-plus um, receptions and a and 1,000 receiving yards while obviously uh, being a net, a net gainer. So, um, you know, just uh, I think a really good sign for, for, uh, for the Texans to have uh, a couple of young pieces and those two uh, uh, that could be around here going forward. Yeah, it turns out Lovey Smith winning that game at the end of the season and giving the first round, for number one overall pick to the Chicago Bears, did not really hurt the Houston Texans <laughs> at all uh, with C.J. Stroud. That, what a great acquisition that was, and of course the Tank Dell as well. Let's talk about some other rookies here. I'm going to name off a couple guys, and I want you to let me know. What do you think, in terms of them, which one of these rookies have made the biggest impact on their team so far this season? I'm going to include Puka Nakua the wide receiver over there in Los Angeles Rams, Bijan Robinson uh, down in Atlanta Falcons, Jordan Addison over in the Minnesota Vikings, Dalton Kincaid up there at the Buffalo Bills, and Jameer Gibbs with those Detroit Lions. What do you think about that? Which one of those guys do you think have made the biggest impact on their team this year and may have the biggest impact in their team going into the future? 
So when you say biggest impact, my mind immediately goes to that we can't even really consider the first two because the first two um, are on teams that aren't that aren't really performing well. Um, and it's almost <laughs> like the MVP discussion that like how valuable is Bijan Robinson? Um, probably a lot more valuable if if, if uh, Arthur Smith would figure out how to oh you know that. I don't agree with using a first round pick on a running back. That's something I, I said on the show for like for many times. <laughs> right. uh, and I still agree with, but even dumber taking one in the top, top half of the uh, tenth, uh, top 10 in the first round and then refusing to use them in the red zone. Um, yeah. And I don't know if That's you saw weird. the clip that was circulating this week. They asked Arthur about uh, why he wasn't being used in the red zone. And he went on a five-minute answer, and people were reposting and being like, he just talked for five minutes about this, and he still didn't answer the question. So, um, <laughs> Perfect policy. So anyway, so I, I look at that, and it's like, uh, move on. I, I, think, I think the easy answer for me is Jordan because um, they're doing a really good job, obviously, in Minnesota of constantly kind of developing young receivers out uh, from Diggs to Thielen to Justin Jefferson to, to Addison now and, and you know and I use the term develop not obviously not putting Justin Jefferson didn't come in as a as a blue chip prospect but um you get my point that they're uh, a lot of teams whiff on young receivers they don't uh that team that looks dead in the water is suddenly relevant again uh despite uh the the injuries their uh uh best receiver um and their and their starting quarterback so um yeah, uh, I I put my money there, and I don't yep. like rook, uh, running backs in the first round, like I said. But Mir Gibbs, I think, has a nice job uh, complementing what they got going on in Detroit. Yeah, I agree. And of course, with Jordan Addison, with, with Kirk Cousins there, obviously Kirk Cousins now out uh, for the season, and they got the legend of Josh Dobbs there now. But uh, Kirk, Kirk Cousins, for through four games there, he looked like uh, he was going to break out as be the uh, rookie of the year for sure. I mean, uh, weeks five, six, seven, and eight. Uh, he managed to put up 64, 28, 123, and 82 yards, and he had at least a touchdown in every game, two in, in week seven, against the vaunted 49ers um, when they won 22-17. So certainly he is having a massive impact out there for the Minnesota Vikings, so I totally agree with that uh, as well. I do think those running back um, running back assets will be uh, big deals in the future, both by John Robinson and Jameer Gibbs. Puka Nakua, I, I will just – say this um we didn't expect anything out of puka nakua uh and he's a superstar in many ways and having cooper cup and puka nakua there almost revived the los angeles rams you know in this in the last like three or four games i mean they didn't do so well last week but at the end of the day i mean he's he's doing all sorts of good things there and they can really build on that into the future so the second part of the impact you know what are they doing into the future I think that there is some potential there in terms of how much he could do to help that team get bigger. I mean, nine games, he already has 827 receiving yards, 827 receiving yards in nine games. I mean, that, that is, uh, I mean, that's amazing for any wide receiver. That is amazing, really amazing for a rookie receiver uh, that we didn't even have on our radar really until training camp. So uh, lots of great things that are going on there. Let's go ahead and, and move on to the next thing here because I, I think that there's going to be a, there's going to there's time left in the season for us to figure out who the most the highest impact why, uh, rookie will be. So let's hit the bell and talk about our NFL power rankings and it's halfway through the season now. So I think these are finally legit. We haven't been doing them up to this point because what's the point of a power ranking after one week or two weeks? But we're halfway through the season now. So give me your power rankings for the top five spots here, Ryan. What do you got? Uh, first, can you uh, is my audio better now for you? Yeah, it's actually uh, it's not bad. It's just just a little spotty here and there, but you're you're pretty good. 
Okay. All right. Well, hopefully, uh, hopefully this uh, holds up here. But um, <laughs> but yeah, everybody so knows though, Ryan, of, uh, that having technical issues is our thing, right? I mean, that's kind of our thing. It's it's why people come back time and time again because they like to see what's going to go wrong in the show next. So hey, this is just part of the charm. That's the way I see it. Well, you know, certainly not wrong there. But um, <laughs> all right. So uh, number, do you want me to go five to one or one to five? No, oh, you you pick. You guys, let's go one to five. Okay, one to five. Uh, I'm going uh, first uh, with the uh, Philadelphia Eagles in my number one spot uh, mm-hmm. right now. Um, I think that they've early season. I wasn't super impressed. To be honest, um, they barely escaped the Patriots. I'm going to draw a blank on who their week two and week three opponents were now, but uh, they were kind of uh, one possession games against, uh, you know, obviously with the Patriots being in their inferior opponents. Um, <laughs> and I think that their, that their wins were very impressive, but I think that they've uh, uh, rectified that a little bit. They're obviously uh, one of the best records in the league right now, or, or the best in the league right now. So yep. um, got to go with them, number one. Uh, number two. Uh, I'm going with the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, mm-hmm. I know it hasn't looked great. I know their weapons aren't great. I know Travis Kelsey can only apparently pr- produce when Taylor Swift's in the building. Um, <laughs> and that they're kind of in that spot that the Patriots went through as I got to see those 20 years of the dynasties where you kind of have like these four or five windows of dominance and then the bill comes home to roost and you got to reset for a year or two before you really make another push plus accumulation of playing all those games. There's a lot of stuff that goes on. It's, you can't just stay at the top for the dominant for 10 straight years. Right. Um, so I think they're kind of there, but they're still the defending champs. So I can't move them down uh, off of that. Uh, right. Number three, this one's probably going to be a little bit controversial because this is not standings. This is power rankings. Joe right. Burrow was really banged up those first couple of weeks of the year. Uh, I know the receivers are a little bit banged up right now, but if Joe Burrow is healthy, uh, I trust him and that team in the playoffs way more than I do the Ravens or anybody mm-hmm. else making a push in the AFC right now. Uh, so I have the Bengals as the number three. Um, the number four, uh, yep. I'm going to go with the Detroit Lions. Um, mm-hmm. Just like the football played, obviously, down the final nine weeks of last year into this year. Um, won a big game in Arrowhead this year. Uh, so uh, I got the Lions at four. And yep. then at five, uh, I have the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, can't. Uh, you know, despite said, I don't trust them in the playoffs right now. Um, mm-hmm. They've been consistently a really good team this year. Their defense has been elite and dominant. Um, so uh, I'll put the Ravens at five. Yeah, so it's really interesting because I almost have an identical top five to you. The only thing I did different from you was I switched three and five. I actually have the Ravens at three. I have the Bengals at five. It's kind of interesting, though, because I looked across the industry to see what other power rankings look like. And I think the Eagles are, are pretty much just consensus over them being number one. But from two to five, it gets pretty messy. There's not a lot of, you know, there's not a straight line there. You know, I've seen Ravens ahead of Chiefs. I've seen, you know, Lions being uh, up ahead of the Ravens. I, I, I've seen Bengals not make the top five at all. In fact, most of the, the consensus industry uh, top five power rankings don't have the Bengals until about seven, eight, or nine. So you and I obviously see something more in the Bengals than the rest of the industry. I completely agree with you. I think the calf in issue with, uh, with Joe Burrow was the reason why they lost games at the beginning of the season. They've won four in a row now, and they look absolutely dynamite, assuming they can keep those wide receivers healthy. I mean, both Jamar Chase and T. Higgins have been trading injuries. I know We don't know who's going to play this week. Uh, I, we saw that Jamar Chase got back on the field, on the practice field, but T. Higgins did not. So there's a, some question marks there. 
as to what he has. But Joe Burrow's back, and if you got Burrow's back and, and he's got that confidence, um, it's hard for them to be beat. So I totally agree with that. But tell me a little bit about – so I got a Ravens ahead of the Bengals, and I, I think the reason why I have that is because of the fact that I think that, as you said, the defense is elite, and I think their offense has a lot of weapons. Um, with Zay Flowers there now, I mean, I, I don't want to give OBJ any props, but he's a guy that requires some defense. But you got you got Zay Flowers there, and you always got Mark Andrews. And Lamar, you know, when he's on, he's on. I mean, the one thing that I've noticed a lot is that they rely hugely on being able to kick field goals, which is probably why it's a great thing they have Justin Tucker there. They don't really convert as often in the red zone as, um, you know, I was actually kind of surprised. They have a very low conversion rate in the, in the red zone in terms of touchdowns. So that being said, um, I, I feel like the Ravens are slightly more balanced than the Bengals. But you think the Bengals have better uh, opportunity to make a splash in the postseason? Is that why you have them at three? Yeah, I, I, it, it definitely starts with that, um, with the postseason Um uh, pedigree, you know, and right. we know Lamar's uh, troubles in the postseason uh, yep. versus Burroughs, who's, you know, uh, been really, really, really good. Pretty so, good, yeah. <laughs> um, so I look at it and say uh, part of this for me, too, is you just use the term, and I think there's been an evolution of football the last uh, 20 years, obviously, right? So we used to, as we grew up as kids, defense wins championships. Yeah. And then really in the mid 2000s, you know, we started to say, and eh, it's really more about balance. So an interesting exercise in that, which is why I think the Ravens are built for a game that no longer exists as much. Um, right. And I know this isn't the defensive side, but defense, I, I think fits this bill to it. I had to look at the defensive rankings, but last year, yeah. do you know who the, the highest two graded special teams uh, teams were in the NFL? Uh, not off the top of my head. <laughs> it was it was the Patriots and the Texans. Oh, interesting. Two of the worst teams in football. Do you know who huh. had the worst two graded uh, special teams units in football last year? Uh, I'm assuming the Chiefs are one of them. <laughs> I'm not sure. It was Chiefs one, Eagles two. The oh, point wow. being, balance no longer exists and no longer matters. And even on the defensive side, it's just it's an offense game. Uh, yeah. It is. And so I look at the Ravens and say they've got. Better weapons, and I'm I'm you know, I'm a Massachusetts person, uh, so I'm I love Zay Flowers. Zay right. Flowers is is not even a top thirty NFL receiver, and OBJ is not what he once was. And Mark Andrews is still a really good, um, you know, elite tight end. But when when your game is depending on, on more on running and your tight end than it is on explosive outside weapons, I just think there's a real cap to that. And I know yep. they play great defense. But, yeah. Um, I just, I just don't think that that style of football really wins anymore. I think it's why, and I know they had to go all the way down to Christian McCaffrey playing quarterback last year, but I think it's partly <laughs> why the 49 coming up short is they're not, they're, 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 they're the Brock Purdy story is great. But as he struggled the last three weeks, we've seen you need an elite quarterback. You just, that's the modern game in NFL. Um, so I just have a really hard time buying in until the Ravens start really putting weapons, true high-end weapons around the Ravens, because if we look at the skill, the skill group on the offense of the of the other five teams or the other four teams in that top five we both just said, right, easily have the worst, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. And, and actually, so just – and this is totally off topic, but you mentioned Christian McCaffrey being a quarterback, but did you see Dari Ungabale hitting a uh, – kicking a field goal for the Houston Texans last week? It's like the Texans could do yes, no wrong. So they're running back kicking a 30-yard field goal. That is something, isn't it? I mean, it's, I, and that would not, that was not on my bingo card. I'm pretty sure. 
Well, didn't they have didn't they have to have Justin Reed kick a field goal for them like six years ago or something like that too? They I, could be. I mean, I don't know where you would find this stat. I would bet I would bet the last two field goals kicked in the NFL by a position player both from the Texans about five or six years apart because I'm almost positive Justin Reed. <laughs> he at least did a kickoff. It, but I but I think he might have kicked the field goal several years ago. That's amazing. Uh, I, I'll have to now I'm going to go back and check that out. But the, they got something going on down there in Houston and something in the water letting them kick those balls. But that to to your point, I I think you are absolutely right. I think the Bengals have that offensive uh, ceiling that makes them really really dangerous. Um, I will mention, however, that. When it comes right down to defense, I mean, there really isn't anybody who's doing it better right now than the Ravens. They lead the NFL in points allowed at 13.8 per game. They're second in yards per game at 262.6 and third in sack percentage at 9.4%. They've given up a total of 45 total points in five of their last six games total uh, since week three. So I get it. I mean, I, I, I can see it. And I think the Bengals are on the rise. And I think my next, you ask me next week, I may have completely switch my tune um, because they are absolutely on their way up. And so um, we'll see. We'll see what happens after this week. So let's go. Ahead. Oh, and I will actually, uh, you know, mention one more thing. The Eagles, we didn't really talk about the Eagles that much because they're kind of consensus number ones, but they got a rough stretch coming up. They got Kansas City at Arrowhead. They have Buffalo. They got the San Francisco 49ers, and then they got Dallas again, but this time at Dallas. And they really had a nail-biter this last week. I mean, what if you had to make a prediction, what do you think the Eagles will do in their next four games? I just think it's a tough stretch, but I think they're a good team. So, I mean, without without picking it game by game, I, I think they go to that stretch 3-1. and one. Yeah, yeah. And if they go 3-1, and one, they basically locked up the NFC uh, in terms of the bye week going into the playoffs. I, I don't see anyone catching up to them at this point. All right, let's go ahead and hit the boxing bell there and move on to our next topic. And that is uh, quarterback issues for fantasy football. We know it's bye week in week 10, and it's a lot of buys, uh, and it's going to give a lot of the heartache to people. I mean, of course, Dak Prescott – and Jalen Hurts all um, on by this coming week. So you might need a quarterback for week 10. And here are our suggestions, or at least I'll give you my suggestions, and I'm going to get Ryan's take on this, for quarterbacks that are about 50% or less owned in Yahoo League, standard Yahoo League, that I think might be good enough to make your roster if you're having some bye week issues. So first of all is Russell Wilson versus the Buffalo Bills at 46% owned. Baker Mayfield versus the Tennessee Titans at 51% owned. Josh Dobbs versus the New Orleans Saints at 49% owned, and Will Levis versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at 45% owned. So of those four, um, tell me, what do you think here, Ryan? Are any of those things, any of those guys sticking out to you as guys you do want to pick up as your bye week replacement? That's Russell Wilson, Baker Mayfield, Josh Dobbs, and Will Levis. I mean, do I want to pick up any of them? No. <laughs> Let's say you have to. Let's say yeah. you need a quarterback. Let's you know, it's either them or no one. Who's who are you looking at here? No, I know. Um, so I'm I'm very out on Russell Wilson uh, and that that whole um, experience there um, of of the guys. He obviously uh, leads them in touchdowns. Um, he's got the best completion percentage of them. Um, but his turnover-prone play uh, has him uh, – he's only got a QBR of 46.3. So um, and they, they just don't, frankly, score enough points for me. Um, I think Baker's interesting because uh, he's had a, you know, a pretty decent season, uh, yeah. and he's had, he's had some, some, some nice moments. He's a bit boomer bust. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I, I think there's upside there, but it uh, does make me a bit nervous. 
uh, with right. him. I think Josh Dobbs is really interesting, uh, primarily because we already talked about Addison earlier, who's a great right. player. Yeah. Dobbs adds an element with his feet. Um, and then also he loves to target tight ends. And, mm-hmm. and he has Hawkinson there. So you've got an elite yeah. tight end. You're going to, you're an elite guy that uh, position he likes to target. You have a really good, another really good receiver. Um, and then he can add some of his feet. So I like that. And then Will Levis, I mean, what he did a couple weeks ago was, was, was pretty incredible. So there's a lot of upside there, but I think that's probably the, the, that's, that might, I don't know if I want to say it's the highest ceiling, but uh, he could, he could potentially have the highest ceiling this week, but he's right. uh, definitely got the lowest floor. So yeah, um, I would stay away from Russ. I guess is my point, or my main take was I'd stay away from Russ. Uh, Dobbs and Baker, I'd feel the best about as the most uh, sure things. Um, uh-huh. And but if I'm in a position where I can and want to roll the dice, well, Levis might be the play there. Yeah, so that's not not so bad. And I'll say this though, Russell Wilson, I totally agree. I don't trust him, but he is coming off a bye week after a really solid game against the Chiefs uh, defense, which is actually pretty good. 114 passing yards and three touchdowns and eight carries for 30 rush yards. It's kind of vintage Russell Wilson. Tough defense, though, this week against uh, Buffalo. But they've been struggling of late, and they're only 5-4. and four. Now, to your, uh, to your point, Baker and Josh Dobbs uh, both look actually pretty good. I actually, I mean, I like the consistency from Baker Mayfield. At the beginning, you're right. He was really up and down. He had, did have at least 200 passing yards and six of eight starts this year, averaged just over a TD a game. But in those last three games, in his last three starts, he averaged 259 passing yards and just under two touchdowns per game. And he only had one interception in that stretch of three games. So Baker Mayfield, you know, maybe my favorite play of this group here. Titans are struggling. And there's definitely some opportunity here. So uh, it will be interesting to see what happens. You know, the, the interesting thing is that Will Levis, the impact here, maybe more bigger impact on Baker Mayfield because with Will, they've been throwing it more. And that means less ball control, more opportunity for Baker Mayfield to get on the field and turn out some stats for you but we we would we would be uh we we would be wrong to not mention josh dobbs though because he literally built his own disney story in week nine i mean like the guy was only there for three days he went to one practice he didn't even know the names of the players on the team at that point at least not the full names he had not completed a single practice pass to any receiver in minnesota and had not actually uh even snapped the ball no one even heard his cadence they actually lined him up there's some great video of him lined up with the offensive line <laughs> and the center and, and giving his cadence so they all could hear him for the first time seconds before he went onto the field. So uh, kudos to him because he piled on 158 passing yards, two touchdowns, 66 rush yards and a rushing touchdown on top of that, plus a two-point conversion for good measure uh, for a miraculous come-behind victory against the Falcons, the hapless Falcons. So, yeah, I, I agree with you, uh, Ryan, all the way around. And to your point, Will Levis, I think there is some serious upside there because, you know, in week nine, obviously it didn't go so well. Um, in week eight, though, he did really, really great against the Falcons. The Falcons allowed the seventh most fantasy points to opposing quarterbacks. Levis took advantage of that for 238 yards and four touchdowns. The Steelers are 22nd. Uh, they allowed the 22nd most points to opposing quarterbacks, and Levis struggled. Uh, the Bucks, they allowed the fourth most points to opposing quarterbacks. So I assume, I, I'm, I'm, I'm expecting him to do closer to what he did against the Falcons than what he did against the Steelers. So it's definitely higher upside there, but I agree with you. He could lay an egg just like he did last week. All right. That's what we got for the fantasy football side of things. Let's hit the boxing bell there and go on to our last topic of the day. And that is the best games to watch in week 10. So tell us, what do you think here, Ryan, which of the games are, do you have your eye on in week 10 and why? 
Well, that's assuming that they're going to uh, get better finally this week. But <laughs> right. um, uh, no, uh, I think uh, I mean a couple that I had highlighted. Uh, one being the Texans at the Bengals, just like we talked yeah. about, Bengals on the rise. The Texans are a fun, interesting team right now. Um, so that one will be uh, definitely interesting to watch. Um, I think the Browns at the Ravens is going to be a, another fun one because the Browns have been a surprisingly uh, adequate team this this year. Uh, yeah. And uh, I, you know some of the questions I highlighted about the Ravens, I don't think that the Ravens have necessarily the weapons to pull away. So. That one will be interesting. And then the other one I had highlighted, because I know you got a couple you want to talk about, but uh, uh, the Lions at the Chargers. Uh, oh, yeah. Because, uh, you know, those, those you know, it's not a true coast-to-coast game. But going from, uh, you know, the eastern part of the country uh, out west to play Chargers, it's not a, not a particularly tough place to play. Um, both the Lions are young outside of Goff. You know, a lot of the weapons and, and the coaching staff, uh, are on the younger, more inexperienced side. I think right. the Lions are a lot of fun. It's a storyline I really enjoy, and I want them to be good and relevant. And yeah, I know they want an arrowhead, but it's kind of one of those. This is not. I, I know the Chargers haven't been elite or great this season, so it's. And I think Staley's one of the worst coaches in in football, so it's not <laughs> like. Uh, you know, it won't be the magnitude of traveling into K- KC, but the KC win was a good one. But that's opening night, and I know it's a banner night, but right. it's opening night. Uh, you know, so it's so early in the year that it's hard to really. Put a, so this is a decent, a decent measuring stick game for the Lions to see what they can go do on the road uh, in, a, in, a, in a place like San Diego or San Diego, Jesus, L.A. Uh, that <laughs> we all remember. We all remember. So, <laughs> they'll always do the San Diego Chargers because they're just yeah. as relevant in L.A. as they are in San Diego. So. Yeah, well, that's, that's a fair point. That's a fair point. Those Los Angeles folks thinking they have two football teams. You got zero football teams, my friend. But anyway, the point is, Texans at Bengals are definitely at the top of my list as well. I love that one. I mean, the aforementioned C.J. Stroud and Tank Dell, and of course you added Nico Collins, Noah Brown. I mean, they put on an absolute clinic in week nine, and of course the Bengals on a surge right now. Four in a row, Joe's Burrow's calf injury in the rearview mirror. Everything you said about uh, the Bengals true, having all that upside, and then the fact that if if Burrow's back, they're back. Bengals favored by six and a half. I love that one a lot. And of course you mentioned Lions and Chargers, which uh, I'll just say – you know, the Lions were probably the, the darlings of the pre, preseason. Like, everybody wanted them to do well based on the story of what they did at the end of last season and the fact that they managed to knock the Green Bay Packers and Aaron Rodgers out of the playoffs before they got there uh, in the last season, last game of the season with nothing to gain from winning that game. you got to love what the Lions are. They, they definitely come to play, and they play to win. And I love the composition of what they have there. But the Chargers – I think are way better than their record. You know, I just, I just don't think they're a four and four team. They won two games uh, now in order to get the four and four and arguably not really challenging <laughs> matchups one against my poor hapless Chicago bears. So I don't know what they make of this. I think this will be a good test for the chargers and a good test for the lions both. So I totally agree with that. And I love the Browns Ravens. The other team game I'll mention is 49ers at Jaguars. Uh, both of them are top four teams on the NFC and top four team, a top four team in NFC and a top four team in the AFC for sure. And higher by some. I've seen the Jaguars ranked in the top five of power rankings. I've seen the 49ers ranked in the top five of power rankings. So there is something to be proven here by both these teams. And the 49ers are on a slide. You know, three straight losses with combinations of Brock Purdy, Debo Samuel, and Christian McCaffrey being injured prior to the bye. They're mostly healthy now. They have an opportunity to right the ship. I am looking forward to watching that game. Okay. And that guess what? 
we managed to go into overtime. We didn't even mean to get there, but we got there anyway. Let's hit the air horn on the show. We're out of time here. Before we sign off, we'll remind you that we're brought to you by Manscaped. Get 20% off and free shipping with the promo code GARBAGETIME at manscaped.com. And we're also brought to you by BetUS. Receive 125% sportsbook bonus upon initial deposit. Use the link in the podcast description and get this special offer. Hey, Ryan, it's always awesome having you on the show because, quite frankly, you are one of the reasons why this show even got off the ground in the first place. So uh, I'm sorry for dragging you down all those years. I'm glad you came back in order to give us a second shot. (laughs) (laughs) It was awesome having you back here, man. Um, And give us your social so people can follow you. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. Glad to be back uh, doing doing a spot here today. Um, Yeah, you can find me on uh, Twitter at Ryan Whitfield, N-E. And just want to quickly shout out, uh, I'm doing some work with a, uh, a betting app called Mad Props. It is a mm-hmm. peer-to-peer betting app, uh, and they have a weekly pick'em uh, right now that's free to enter, and you can win uh, an Amazon gift card, I believe, is the prize on there um, if you do that. Yeah. So uh, that's there's this weekly competition, and then uh, once you have the app downloaded, you can you know you can iMessage a friend directly and send them a direct bet to them, uh, uh, and and just bet against each other instead of getting betting against a book. So. Uh, that's mad props uh, so. alright sounds like fun alright well I'll get, definitely gonna give that a try hey and I hope uh, obviously and I think all our audience hopes that this is just one of many uh, more frequent visits from Ryan so Ryan I'm putting you on I'm, I'm putting you on notice right now we're getting back to you and back on the show sooner than you think <laughs> so don't be I'm surprised you if I come and knock in my friend you're gonna, you're gonna, we're gonna drag that's you it. back in it's like the godfather you know we drag you back in <laughs> you never get away right. So you can find me on Twitter or X, don't sue me, Elon, X at FB Garbage Time or on Facebook at the Football Garbage Time page. As usual, thank you for listening and wasting time with us. Until next time, enjoy your NFL week.